It is Locked on Jazz for the 2nd of September. The points gained, the final Western Conference edition, giving you all of the 15 teams in the West, a surprise number two, a thoughtful number one. Where do the Jazz fit? And is it possible the Lakers are going to be bad? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. But a bum 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 pow. You are locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and on all platforms, including broadcasting live on YouTube today. So thanks very much. For joining in, make sure you tune in to Locked On NBA with Jackson Gatlin and Matt Moore telling you on NBA's stock up and down. Follow the NBA podcast on YouTube as well and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On NBA, the national show, still clicking every day of the week during the offseason. Thanks very much for tuning in. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke. Here is what points gained is. Points gained is an exclusive offensive metric to this program in which we look at a player's individual efficiency use on a possession, They're how efficient they are in an individual scoring opportunity, then the amount of scoring opportunities they get in a game, that's a real skill, certain players can and can't get those, builds into a met number, which is your points gained. And it has generally been a very good indicator of who the most impactful offensive players in the NBA are. It values a few things differently than what you might anticipate. For example, it was very early in taking in the evaluation of a Duncan Robinson or a Doug McDermott or a a Kyle Korver in Atlanta and things like that with a high-volume three-point shooters at a high percentage. Joe Ingles last year certainly would fit into that. It also values a dunk because it's the single most efficient possession you can get in the game. And so – That's a little different than how we sometimes think of it, and occasionally there's a player in there. But frankly, it's a pretty good metric to be able to tell you who are the most impactful offensive players. Over the years, we've now taken this metric and built, before every season, a projection of where teams are going to be offensively, offensively only here. We're not talking about anything involving defense. There have been some little flaws. Denver usually causes me some problems because they get a bunch of offensive rebounds. A few other teams who don't turn it over have caused me some problems along the way. Like, it's not always perfect. But last year it projected the Phoenix Suns as the number one offensive team in the West. The Jazz is number right up there with them. It really projected the Jazz and the Suns kind of well before everybody else. If you look back a few years ago at points gained, it was pretty accurate as well. It's been It's been close. There's been some, the Pelicans have underperformed a little bit, could have been coaching the last few years. We'll see. Here, from an offensive standpoint, just to give you an idea individually, if you're new to this, the last year, here were the leading offensive players. One, Steph Curry. Two, Kevin Durant. No surprise. Zion Williamson, three. Nikola Jokic, four. Joel Embiid, five. Giannis Adetokounmpo, six. Zach Levine, seven. 
Michael Porter, eight. Damian Lillard, nine. Rudy Gobert, 10. Rashawn Holmes, 11. There's the value of the dunkers. Kawhi Leonard, John Collins, Mikel Bridges, Joe Harris, Shea Gilgis Alexander, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joe Ingles. Just had to get Joe mentioned in there uh, to give him the shout out. So that's just giving an idea. The, to flip it, the least, the players who had the largest, they're not the worst offensive players, but they had the largest negative impact on their team. And these are guys, I'm just kind of fiddling through who played. Justice Winslow, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Chris Dunn, Alexi Pokashevsky, Michael Carter-Williams, Killian Hayes, Josh Hall, not Josh Hart, Matt Delavadova, Victor Oladipo, um, and then, you know, Alfred Payton, Cole Anthony, DeJounte Murray, who's now the lead possession user in San Antonio. So that's the metric. The metric takes the individual use of a possession, how efficient you are, and then from there takes a look at it and says, and then how many possessions used? I've equalized every team to 100 possessions used in a, or scoring opportunities used in a game. The truth is that number is about 95, but because of injuries and things like that, teams average much more than 100. All right, so here's what we have. And there's a bunch. Let's start with the Utah Jazz because I think that's the key. And then the second storyline here is how bad the Los Angeles Lakers are. I'll have us. The number one team is number one by a large margin. The number two team to me is a pretty significant surprise. There are seven teams that are elite, elite offensive teams. And then there is kind of the rest of the bunch. We'll talk about it. And there's, and the Lakers come out terribly. We'll dig into it in a second. So first off, let's go to the Utah Jazz because I think that's what you're most interested in if you're listening to Locked on Jazz. The Jazz come out at a plus 4.6, which is good. If you kind of think about a point as about three wins, it's a kind of, it's a little less than that. Think of it as three wins. So four would be 12 over 41. Average would be, you know, 41. So they're about a 52-53 win offensive team. That's pretty good when you have Rudy Gobert and you're an elite defensive team. So this would tell you the Jazz have a 50-plus win offense and a team with a great defense should win a bunch of games. Interestingly, by the way, Donovan is still a below average efficiency player. So his points gained last year was a minus 0.1. And the interesting thing about the Jazz is while their offense is good, their two biggest possession users are negative. Jordan Clarkson's a minus 0.7. Donovan Mitchell's a minus 0.1. They added Rudy Gay, who's a minus 0.8. They added Eric Paschel, who's a minus 0.2. And Hassan Whiteside last year in Sacramento was a minus 0.1. But I do think that Hassan Whiteside's Numbers from a year ago, two years ago in Portland are probably a better indicator of kind of where he's going to be as a player. The trending numbers in our system have him as about a one positive because he's been positive his whole career until last year. Donovan's trending numbers do have Donovan getting better. Like if you dig into Donovan, he's gotten a little bit better each year. And it would be fair to assume that this would be the year in which Donovan kind of breaks through and becomes a positive points game player for the first time. And the system has him doing that ever so slightly um, if this year. So if you go back to Donovan and take the 17-18 season, um, and rookie players are always awful, by the way, in points gained. So if you take Donovan, he was a minus 0.6 in 17-18. 
1819, he was a minus 1.0. He became less efficient in his next year. Then if you take his 1920 season going into, you know, cut short, going into the bubble, and some of the metrics are funky probably right now because there's just so much cancellation. Donovan was a minus 0.3, and last year he's a minus 0.1. So I think it's fair to assume that for the first time in Donovan's career, and the numbers expect that. They're not sure what to do with Mike Conley because Mike Conley went from being really negative in 1920 to positive. Joe Ingles spiked uh, at 1.8 after always being good, but never quite that good, frankly. Um, Joe Ingles, uh, the year prior, and his points gained was a 0.5, and he jumps to 1.8, so they have him coming back to earth a little bit. So the Jazz come out as about a 50 win, a little bit more, 52-53 win offensive team, and it leaves the Jazz at with that number um, with Hassan Whiteside projected as actually surprisingly the Jazz fall to just the sixth best offensive team in the Western Conference. So that was that's a little less than I would have thought. The number one offensive team – in the West, by a fairly significant margin, is the Phoenix Suns. They're a 6.3. That literally has them at about a 58-59 win offensive team this year. Um, <clears throat> that is, they are, and they are considerably better than anyone else. They're about 1.4 points points gained better than the number two team, which is the Denver Nuggets. So that's su- obviously surprising. The Nuggets without Jamal Murray, but increased possession use for Michael Porter Jr., increased possession use for Nikola Jokic, I think would be too difficult for them to get. But I have Jamal Murray not playing for them this year, and they still come out as the number two offensive team. Jeff Green gets about five possessions, Compazzo about five, Jamichael Green about five, Austin Rivers, who's a negative player, still gets six. P.J. Dozier increases his possession usage, and he's a negative player. But the dominant offensive efficiency of Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. as their one and two options using half their possessions, both as top 10 points gain guys, throws the Nuggets into the number two team in the conference. Pretty surprising to me there that Denver is sitting at number two in the entire conference offensively. Um, Jokic is obviously great, but without Jamal Murray – and other pieces. All right, who are the other ones? So the Jazz came in at six. The Suns came in at one. The Nuggets came in at two. Who is next? Who's three, four, five? Who's seven? And where do the Lakers slide to? We'll look at all those things as we continue on the Western Conference points gain breakdown on today's show, which is brought to you by Built Bar. They had puffs, puffs, my friends. Puffs are available, a brand new product, coconut oil, and now another brand new. The puffs are gone. Oh, and now another brand new product, Coke protein balls. Protein balls? Gosh, be careful how you say that. Peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I won't be trying either of those, but 100% real chocolate, only because I'm allergic to nuts. 100% real chocolate, 100% delicious. Great flavors. They're all available for you at built.com with the promo code locked on. You get 15% off, and you can choose. How you want to do it? Do you put together two of your favorite or three of your favorite matchups and get it all done? Congratulations to Built and their Built for Good program, ending hunger together on a mission to feed elementary school students so they can get back to being kids and learning, doing great work in the community. Built the macros on the Built Bar are amazing: 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, while getting 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com and find out today what your next 
favorite flavor is going to be when you buy it. Built.com, promo code locked on, gets you 15% off. Today's show is also brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to head down there, just email me first. We'll set you up with a VIP treatment. We sent a bunch of people down to the Linden store the other day. Hopefully had a great experience. I'll have to double check back on that. The SUV lineup is amazing. The Palisade is dreamy every time I see one. I yearn for one. We've got two Santa Fe's already in our house. I've been driving the Elantra and the Sonata recently, the sedans for the summer, 35 miles to the gallon. How great is that right now? Plus every bell, every whistle at incredibly reasonable prices. If you're in the market for a car right now, take a second and at least look at a Hyundai and see what you can get for the Hyundai dealers, for what you can get for your dollar there. If it's not your choice, that's fine, but at least take a look and see what you can get for the uh for your dollar at Murdoch Hyundai 4646 South State Street in Logan and in Linden. Make sure you check out Locked On Today, our daily podcast giving you everything you need to know in the sports world in 15 minutes. All right, let's keep it going. Hello to Keaton and to uh <clears throat> let's see uh Christopher and Bryce and TB. Uh TB with a good question. If you were Quinn Snyder, how would you address Jordan Clarkson's points gained issue? It's interesting. I mean, Quinn is la- is a great question and probably one we should dig into uh, next week in, in some of our topics. Uh, Sarah Todd coming up next week. Thurl Bailey the week after. So we've got some really fun shows uh, coming for, for you in our summer interview series. But I think the Jordan Clarkson question is interesting. He's not efficient, but he brings a swag. He brings a fire. He brings a tenacity. He can just break people down. If you try to corral him and control him, like you end up like, you lose who he is. Um, I think he could become less efficient. I'm reading Reed Hastings book right now, but from Netflix um, on kind of corporate culture and like their corporate culture was that they got a dearth of talent and they got a, or excuse me, a, a massive talent. They just let everyone do kind of what they do best. And, you know, I think when that's the case, then you end up with an opportunity to get the best out of someone. So it's an interesting game because I do think like Jordan being our second highest possession user is probably not great. I'd probably rather have Boyan or someone else out there being that. I'd probably rather have Mike using a few more. I'd rather have J- like I. But you start to do that by the numbers, and you lose who Jordan Clarkson is, and it could hurt you as a team as well. So, but I, there is like like Jordan was so great, and then the second half of the season, he you know he he wasn't quite. If you go back to Jordan, by the way, in his year before with us, he was a positive point two player. So there is like there is room for Jordan to be a more positive points gain player than he was a year ago and be more efficient offensively. All right, let's go to the rest of the West. So the Phoenix Suns came in at 6.3, um, which is, you know, really a pretty dramatic number um, and puts them up nearly to a 60-win offensive team. Um, generally, a point is thought of as about 2.7 wins. So Dallas, excuse me, so Denver is 13 wins above 500 just offensively. That would make them, what, a 54-win offensive team. And and the Suns are about a 58-win offensive team. The Jazz came in at about a 52-win offensive team. So who are the teams that are better than the Utah Jazz so far uh, in our metrics? And this is the Jazz being sixth offensively after last year is a little bit of a surprise, but we've added some less efficient players. George Niang was very efficient. Derek Favors was very efficient. And so we do lose, at least met with it with the metrics, we do lose a little bit there. All right, let's go. Number three is Dallas. They come in at a 4.5 or 12 win um, above average offensive team. So about 53 right there with Denver, one win less than Denver. Number f- uh, 
but number three I forgot was the Clippers. The Clippers are right there with Denver. Even without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers come in as the third best offensive team. Paul George increases his possession usage slightly. And then they've got just positive guys. Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson, all positive. Luke Kennard, positive. Nicholas Batum, positive. Zubak, positive. Terrence Mann came out to be positive. Give just I don't have Justice Winslow playing. Eric Bledsoe is negative. And I have him using 11 possessions in the pro, in the during the year um, per game, which was about what he was last year. And but they come out at a 4.8, which makes them the number two or number three offensive team in the West. 12, about a 53-54 win team offensively with a pretty good defensive unit. The Clippers are real. Den- Denver and the Clippers, two teams that we've all decided that, hey, they're out of it because Kawhi Leonard's out and Jamal Murray's out. And the metrics will tell you they both are going to be at the top of the conference, which is pretty surprising to me, but also where emotion doesn't get involved. That they, they don't know that Jamal Murray's hurt. They don't know that um, Kawhi Leonard is hurt. Um Number five comes in as the Portland Trailblazers. Again, we talked all of the talk around it is Damian Lillard and not adding thing, but this was the number one offensive team in the league after they got Norman Powell. They, uh, Yusuf Nurkic was actually negative. They add Larry Nance, who's slightly negative, um, but not bad. And you start allocating their possessions and Dame's going to use most then McCollum and Powell. That's most of their possessions, all positive. If Nurkic can get back to himself, they get even better. You distribute some to Nance and Covington and Anthony Simons are all negative. Cody's or Simons was positive last year. Cody Zeller's a positive. And then they don't really use a lot of other guys. Ben McLemore, maybe Tony Snell, a nice positive they added and they become a 4.4 points gain team. As we mentioned, that puts them, as about an offensive team at about 12 wins above at 53 win. And then the question is whether they play any defense or not, because they've been a negative defensive team. But if Chauncey Phillip gets into play, and I've been high on Portland, I'm over on Portland, under on Golden State, and way under on the Lakers. We'll get to that in a second. Jazz get to six, and the Pelicans came out really good because of Zion Williamson as well. Then the Golden State Warriors are at eighth offensively in the conference at 6.6 wins above average, 2.5 points gained. I have them at about a 47-win offensive team. I don't think that becomes an elite defensive team, so I'm going to go under on the Warriors. And then this leads to number nine is Sacramento. There are about three or four wins above average offensively, which matches kind of what you would think at 45 wins. And then they've been terrible defensively, which has brought them down. So can, you know, Luke Walton, never mind, get them to play defense. And then we get to the 10th ranked offensive team. But more importantly than that, the Los Angeles Lakers are a negative 1.7 points gained offensive team Five wins below average. They are a 36-win offensive team this year, according to points gained. Again, you there's we can start digging in now, and we will of why this is wrong and why it came out this way. But there's this is also a pretty dramatic number for us to be looking at for a team that is predicted to be the number one team in the NBA for. Uh, or the Western Conference to over-under. I mean, I just, it's kind of a crazy thing and to look at it and to think about it that way. But I don't see, like, again, this is just numbers. It's not looking at anything else. It's not analyzing anything else. It's not trying to, like, like, I, like, 
perfectly understand all the potential weaknesses that might exist here. That, But on the same time, the whole essence of the Nuggets and the Clippers being better than we think and the Blazers being better than the think is we've eliminated emotion, looked at pure numbers, and what the numbers would tell you is the Lakers are a 35-win offensive team this year. They are going to have to be an elite defensive team to be good, and that's a lot to ask a 37-year-old LeBron, a 37-year-old Carmelo Anthony, an aging Rajon Rondo, a 30-year-old-plus team all needed, who doesn't really want to take the regular season seriously is suddenly a totally inefficient offensive team. We'll see. Now, are they going to be great in the playoffs? Can LeBron dig back in? Can Anthony Davis have a playoff run like he did to win the championship? Can Russell Westbrook do Russell Westbrook things for the eight minutes, which those two guys are on the floor? Maybe. Are they coming from a home court advantage? No. I do not think there's a chance. The Lakers have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs this year. They are going to, I actually think we're going to see a similar struggle to last year for them of trying to stay out of the play in game and having to make it into the regular playoffs and not get caught in the seven, eight, nine, 10 playing game. I know that's crazy, but these metrics have not been far off in the years past. And they're not, it's not as though they're close to the rest of the group. Everybody else we just talked about is a plus 4.5, plus 4.9, plus 4.8. Pelicans are plus 4.1. Portland's plus 4. Utah's plus 4. Those are 10 and 11 and 12 wins above average offensively, and the Lakers are five wins below average. They're 17, projecting to be 17 wins less good offensively than the other teams. The metric's not missing by that much. Maybe it doesn't understand LeBron coasting through last regular season. Maybe it doesn't understand the Lakers were on a hangover for the entire year last year. Maybe it doesn't entirely understand that Anthony Davis just had a weird bad year last year and he's a much better player. Maybe it doesn't understand how Russell Westbrook gets everyone to play harder. You're right. It might not. And so 17 might be too much, but it's not zero. It's something significant, and we'll break down why when we continue and look at the Lakers and try to poke holes in this as well as we continue today on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Sweatblock. What an amazing product. When you're doing a show like this and you're pitting out and you're just totally fired up and you're sweating, you're getting crazy, you get, and then you don't want it, then you wish you'd use Sweatblock the night before. Sweatblock is an incredibly strong, effective clinical antiperspirant that allows you to you apply it at night before you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, go about your day, nothing. I know it sounds too good to be true, but sweat block once or twice a week keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking up shirts based on the sweat lines on them and have to get rid of them. You can get it all at sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. This has been around for a while. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters, not by cooks and chefs, but by firefighters. Look at Amazon. You'll see 10 years worth of product and 13,000 reviews. But go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off. It's sweatblock.com, promo code locked on to get 20% off. It's a must have in your toiletry bag, a must have before a big presentation. A must-have if you're an excessive sweater. A must-have if you're a high school kid who does sweat a little too much. A just must-have. Sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by Direct TV. Direct TV 
Does this sound familiar? You've got one device. It lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. And you're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for good stuff. Well, I want to tell you what. It's time to get rid of that. Called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No more need to buy another device. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. I'm on that. We need that. Our system's a mess. So it's going to be directtv.com. It's pretty interesting to look at. Like, let me see if I can find this for you a second. I want to dig into the Lakers. I don't want us to get lost, but I just had a thought. This wasn't what I was planning to do today. I, I had, But if we look at the NBA team wins... On betonline.ag, um, let's see. How do I get to team wins, winning division, NBA specials, players? I just want team wins. Hmm. Oh, there it is, regular season wins. Okay. So I'm at betonline.ag, and, you know, you look at it, Mavericks over 48.5. I definitely, from looking at points gained, would go over. They're going to have to play some defense which they don't always do. And Jason Kidd's the head coach. So I'd probably dock them there, but they're, you know, percolating at a 12 plus offense. So that's a 53 win offense. Last year, they got hit badly by COVID. So I'm looking at betonline.ag, by the way, uh, promo code locked on gets you 50% welcome bonus. There's also a great NFL package going on right now. Denver's at 48. I think everyone's reacting to the, to the, Injury, I'd probably go over there. Golden State's at 48.5. As I said, I'm way under on that. Clippers are at 44.5. Again, reacting to the injury emotionally, I'd go over. Lakers at 52.5. I'm going under. Memphis is at 41.5. They came out terribly. They came out as a minus five offensively points gained, 13 wins below. They're in the Rockets' thunder category offensively. I think it's a little misleading, but the loss of Jonas Valanciunas is significant. Both Dylan Brooks and John Morant are negative points gained players, and so without the positive covering them of Jonas Valanciunas, they're suddenly really hurt by that in a lot of ways. So Memphis is one where points gained, and you can decide whether you trust this or not, but this is what points gained is saying. Um, Minnesota's right there with the Lakers kind of right on their number at 33.5 Pelicans are at 39.5. I probably go over the Phoenix Suns are at 51.5. They're peaking out on points gained, uh, lasers at 43.5. I'm probably going over Spurs are at 28.5. And that's kind of what point gain thinks the jazz are at 52. That's right about where we have them with points gained offense. If you believe the defense gives them anything else and they don't get hit by injuries, you are probably going over the Spurs, by the way. We're a minus 2.7, the 12th. Minnesota was the 11th ranked offense at minus 1.9. And then uh, 13th was Memphis, 14th and 5th, 14th to 15th, the Thunder and the Rockets. The Thunder better because they have Shea Gilgis Alexander, but I don't know if that's really a, you know, those teams just you don't really even do metrics. All right, let's dig into the Lakers. Why are the Lakers bad? The first thing is there is a real phenomena that is LeBron James slippage. That is true. LeBron James who in years past was one of the best in the 16-17 season. He was the fifth best points game player in the league at 2.8. In 17-18, LeBron James was the fifth best offensive player at 2.8. In the 18-19 season, 
LeBron James was one of the elite offensive players in the league. He slipped down a little bit that year, and but he was still, you know, up in the elite players, but he slipped to 1.3. So in 16, 17, he's at 2.8. 17-18 is at 2.8. 18, 19, he goes to the Lakers. He becomes a 1.3. In the 19-20 season, which is kind of funky, and obviously we're starting to take, you know, he's taking the regular, seemingly taking the regular season. He drops to 0. 0.6. like when you're, I know you're the greatest player that's ever played in the history of the game, but at some point aging kicks in, he perked back up to 1.3 last year. But I don't think LeBron James is capable of the 2.8 points gained offensive player that he once was. That's, it's a significant slippage in who he is as a player. He's still great. And in the playoffs, coming from the sixth or seventh seed, you're absolutely right. He might, this may all be irrelevant to what they are as a regular season team. But LeBron, as a regular season lead offensive player, is no longer in the elite level of efficiency. His game has slipped. You can see it in the metrics, and he's not that player. Now, here's what's interesting is who is Anthony Davis? Let's look back at Anthony Davis's last five years, the 16 17 season in New Orleans. His points gained is a 1.3. In 17-18, he hits his peak at 2.5. In 18-19, he goes back to 1.6. In 19-20, he goes to the Lakers. He's a 1.9. And in 2021, he has a terrible season last year, and he's a negative points gained player. So this is dramatically impacting. He's a negative 0.6. This is dramatically impacting the Lakers because it now projects him to be an even player. I think that's wrong. I think you have to expect that Anthony Davis comes back to being the 1920 player, which is about a 1.9 or a 2.5. Let's give Anthony Davis a huge jump to being back to an elite player as a 2.0 player. And if that happens, then suddenly the Lakers are a plus one points gained. That's simple. Anthony Davis doesn't have the terrible year he had last year and comes back to the normal year. And maybe I'm giving him a little bit too much of a bump. Frankly, if you look at his over the years, 16, 17, 16, 17, he's a 1.3. 17, 18, he's a 2.5. 18, 19, he's a 1.6. 19, 20, he's a 2.1.9. Like giving him a 2.0, I would think is too high. Our metrics have him floating Actually, is a negative because they see this decline in his career, which I think is probably wrong. If we put him at a 1.5, then the Lakers suddenly are about an average offensive team, and they're not suddenly as dramatically bad. So if Anthony Davis can come back around, they they then they're going to be an average offensive team. But still, with all of that, let's get Anthony Davis back to their right number. At average, they are still su- the 10th. That doesn't change their setting. They're the 10th best offensive team in the Western Conference. They're at a 42-win offensive team instead of a 33-win offensive team. I think that's more accurate when you look at the numbers. And Anthony Davis's bad year last year definitely skews these. But if you look at the rest of their team, it's not a good offensive team. Carmelo Anthony is a negative points game player and has been for a long time. Russell Westbrook is a dramatically negative offensive player and has been for a last time. Taylor Horton Tucker might be on an upward trend as a young player, but he's minus 0.6. Kent Bazemore is a minus 0.1. Malik Monk had his best year as a minus one. Rajon Rondo had an unbelievable good year for him. He's a minus 0.3. Uh, 
I, uh, they're positive players are Dwight Howard at plus 0.4, but not the dominant Dwight Howard he once was. Wayne Ellington at plus 0.8 and Kendrick Nunn at plus 0.6. Maybe they start allocating these possessions so that Wayne Ellington gets Taylor Horton Tuckers and Kendrick Nunn does and Rajon Rondo doesn't play and they, Frank Vogel starts to fiddle with this rotation a little bit and he can kind of move this thing up to being a 45, 46, 47 win team offensively. And then they just hit the playoffs as the fifth or sixth seed and LeBron and Anthony Davis go bananas and they have a chance to win it. That might be the answer, but the fact like they're, they're really going to have to work this thing to be able to get themselves up to the elite level, but they're nowhere close. The, The Western conference is loaded with elite offensive teams. There are seven teams with a point gained of plus four. There's actually the Lakers, the best the Lakers can do, even if they manipulate all this correctly and move it and Anthony Davis comes back to being himself, which is likely they're the eighth best offensive team in the Western Conference. There's not a script here where they are an elite offensive team in the Western Conference. So then that gets to an interesting, they have to be really, really good defensively and they're really, really old. And I don't think they really, really want to play in the regular season with that type of tenacity and that type of energy. And so you end up in a circumstance where I do, I see them in the bottom half of the playoff teams. I think they're struggling around six, seven, and we're going to have a storyline all year long of whether or not the Lakers can avoid the play in game. And then when they do avoid the playing game, they'll probably be a beast in the playoffs because you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing 40 minutes a night in the playoffs and Russell Westbrook taking the other eight minutes and they're going to be a beast, but the regular season is going to be a struggle for the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, that's our points game. Just to review, number one, Phoenix Suns. Number two, Denver Nuggets. All these the Suns are at a 58-win offensive team. Nuggets are at about a 54-win offensive team, as are the Clippers. Dallas is a 53-win offensive team, followed by Portland, who's right at about the same level. The Jazz come in as a 52-win offensive team, sixth best The Pelicans at seventh. The eighth best team offensively is the Warriors coming in at about a 47-win team offensively. The ninth best team is the Sacramento Kings. Tenth is the Lakers. Even if we give them the bump, they're a 42-43 win offensive team followed by Minnesota, San Antonio, Memphis with a massive drop in disappointment, and then the Thunder and the Rockets wrapping it up. That is your points gained Western Conference breakdown. Would love your thoughts. Feel free to hit me at at DLock09. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, Sarah Todd and Thurl Bailey interviews coming up over the next two weeks. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.